says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Let me say a prayer for you, Strong Tower, and a prayer for all of us. Thank you, God, that you care. Thank you that although you sit high, you look low. And as we learned during the Christmas season, your name is Emmanuel, God with us. Not only are you the awesome God that the highest heavens cannot contain your glory or your person, you are transcendent. You are completely other than anything we could ever imagine or know. You dwell in unapproachable light. Yet and still, you humbled yourself and took upon you the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, you humbled yourself to the point of death, even death on a cross. You came to earth so that we could have a high priest who can be tempted with the things that we're tempted with, yet without sin. The word says that you are a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And for many in our body, 2016 was tough. Yesterday was tough. Today is difficult and some of us fret about tomorrow. Discouragement and depression are real. But Lord, we stand here today knowing what your son said, that in this life you will have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer because you, Jesus, you have overcome. And so because you overcame, we are overcomers because we are in you and you are in us. So thank you for the victory. Thank you for an empty grave and thank you for a heart that is full with your presence. Thank you that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. Thank you that you will never put more on us than we can bear, but you will use the tests, the trials, the strains, the stress of life to cause us to look up to heaven from whence comes our help. So Lord, we are people who understand that there are perplexities in this life, but we also understand by faith the one who controls all things and the one who went on record as saying that there is nothing impossible for God. So Lord, in this Old Testament passage, you said that you can bring waters in the desert. And as we move forward into 2017, one day at a time, Lord, we pray that you would supply the water that we need, that you pr provide the daily bread that we need. We're your children. We're the sheep of your pasture. You're the good shepherd. 
You know where the still waters are. You know where the green grass is. We follow you. And when we step out of line, we thank you for your loving discipline to get us back on track. We thank you for moments where we can come into your house to refocus, to reboot, to be encouraged with one another's presence. So Lord, as a church and as a people, as my wife has prayed, we continue to pray and we dedicate and consecrate ourselves, this church, and the work that you've called us to do and be about in this community and beyond, as well as the church global, that you would use us in ways that we could never ever fathom, that you would use us in spite of us to be salt and light, to make a difference until you should return. And Lord, wouldn't it be glorious if 2017, sometime in this year, was the time of your return. But Lord, we don't know the seasons, we don't know the day nor the hour, but we will be your witnesses. But Lord, we also know that before it gets better, it is going to get worse. We know Jesus based on what you said prophetically, that there will be a time of tribulation before you return. And when we think about all the people who died in 2016 and all of the massive earthquakes and natural disasters it makes us say well we want something better but really Lord it won't be better until you return so may we not try to build our hope on false hope may we only build our hope on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness and if it calls for persecution Lord so be it it brings us closer to you it calls for suffering so be it. It brings us closer to you because it lets us know once again that we are just pilgrims passing through. Thank you for 2017, but we're still pilgrims and sojourners in 2017. This is not our home. We're looking for a better home whose maker and builder is God. So come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. But in the meantime, until you come physically, to Mount Zion and place your foot upon that mountain. Come into our hearts in a fresh way. For those who may not be born again, Lord, I pray that this would be the day, the year that they become Christians. For those of us who are Christians, I pray that this would be the day, the time that we would be more committed to carry the cross that you've given us to carry, to follow after you in obedience and in love. Do a great work in spite of us. Do a great work with us, but please don't do it without us. Thank you, thank you that we get to be here. What a privilege. And thank you for the calling, once again, that you've placed on this church and on our lives. We pray with our heads up. We pray encouraged because we worship the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. In his name we pray, amen. Amen, 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 amen. If there's ever been a time for a church that has a vision like Strong Towers, which is to experience, explain, and expand God's diverse kingdom, that time is now. As we go into 2017, and I believe we're going to see more demonstrations of racism, classism, and sexism, thank God for a safe place, for a safe house, um, a church that represents God's diverse kingdom. 
as far as diversity by way of race, class, and gender from Galatians 3.28. And we pray for our president-elect. Um, God had to deal with my heart even yesterday about that. That I don't want to do towards him that others have done to presidents who have gone in times past. And that is to not pray for them. Um, but to pray for President-elect Trump. But also to not be naive to not be deceived over his uh, damaging rhetoric and the things that he has said, uh, the vitriolic things that he has spread already in our nation and he hasn't served one day. Um, we need to be prepared. Um, this coming Saturday, as a matter of fact, Strong Tower Bible Church is gonna have a, a get together in the fellowship hall at 10 o'clock and we're going to view the documentary together, 13 which talks about uh, modern-day slavery, how the 13th Amendment turned slaves, former slaves, into prisoners, and how this country continues to benefit and perpetuate mass incarceration to the denigration of many people of color in this nation, the systemic effects of racism and classism and oppression. And so one way to, to be wise as serpents and yet harmless as doves is to understand the times in which we live in. And so we're gonna to get together. Dr. Dr. Mona Ivy Soto uh, is gonna help me as we have a dialogue and a discussion afterwards. Um, so come on out at 10 o'clock to 12.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Um, again, this documentary is on Netflix. We're going to show it here. And then, uh, as Mona has said, we're going to have a productive, solution-focused dialogue regarding the historical and current underpinnings of slavery and mass incarceration and how we as Christians of diverse backgrounds must respond in truth and love during these ever-challenging days. Amen. So join us. That event is free. It's open to the public. I hope you can make it. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 24. I think congratulations are in order. We have a new grandmother in the house, uh, Tammy Lennox. Is that true? Where are you? Is Tammy still here? We have a new grandchild, her son. And don't, Tammy, where are you? You here? Where? Did she? Did she? Did she roll out? They just uh, her son and new daughter-in-law gave birth to a baby girl this past week on Wednesday night, I believe. So Tammy is a grandma. Amen. Tammy always has a lot of jokes, and uh, I can't wait to get her with that. All right. We're in a series, if you're visiting with us. It's called Unsung Bible Stories. Unsung Bible Stories. And it's my desire not for you to ever walk away from this church talking about how great he preached. It's my desire that you would walk away from this church every Sunday talking about how great the word of God is. It's not about my ability or anyone's ability to expound upon the scriptures because the scriptures can speak for themselves. But it's my prayer that you will leave church saying, I gotta read that. I never knew that was in there. I wanna study that. Well, I can relate to that story. And I pray that it would create in us these Bible stories that are usually not talked about. 
would cause all of us to say, man, let me dig deeper into the word of God. Because as Jonathan said, 2 Timothy 3.16, it addresses all matters of life and godliness and is profitable for everything, not only doctrine, but also gives us wisdom on how to live. So in these stories that were written for our benefit, our edification, that we may learn from the men and women of old, that we can apply the principles and the power of God into our lives today. I just pray that it awakens something in all of us because some of you are going to hear, maybe from the story today, something you've never heard before. And so I want us to go back and let's read the Bible. That's a great goal for the year, to say, I'm going to read through the Bible in this year. And I'm going to get one of those Bibles that has the, the data on it, and it's going to give me a layout. It's good to read the Word of God. Amen? Amen. This is Strong Tower Bible Church, not Strong Tower. What you think, what your opinion is, church. Strong Tower Bible. So Genesis chapter 24, if you have it, it happens to be the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. Genesis 24 is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. So this chapter is longer than chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 that gives us the creation account in the account of man and woman. Now, this chapter is a long chapter, but I will not preach the whole chapter. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to give you a lot of it, though. So we're going to talk about unsung Bible stories today, and this is when Rebecca meets the servant of Abraham. When Rebecca meets the servant of Abraham, and I am excited to preach this, so let me just jump right in. For Christians today, there is a lot of talk about destiny, especially as we embark upon a new year. A lot of times Christians have it as a part of our vocabulary to talk about destiny and purpose and to walk into your destiny. This is your season. This is your time. And many of our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ use familiar verbosh like that, especially, as I mentioned, at the beginning of a new year, to be destiny seekers. Now, that's understandable because God does have a purpose and a destiny for each and every one of us. But if we're not careful, destiny talk can be very self-centered and very self-serving. It can be very focused on me, myself, and I. Because life isn't always about what we can get, or about what we can do. Oftentimes, life must be about what we can give and what we can do for others. Because for Christians, we find life by giving ours away. Now, that's not natural because the natural response is to think about ourselves and what we can get. But as Christians, we are not natural people by and large. We are spiritual people. And if anything, because of the Holy Spirit, we are supernatural people and we follow an amazing Savior who flips the script and he says, if you're trying to find life, you must lose your life. 
And if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. It's not about you. As a matter of fact, everybody has a tailor-made cross from heaven above if you know the Lord. It's got your name on it. It's got my name on it. And this deaf instrument, Jesus says, pick it up and carry it every day. Because the temptation is to try to float around this place as if the world revolves around us. But no, the world revolves around the sun, S-U-N, and our worlds are to revolve around the son of God. It's not about us. And the more that I can confess that and repent of that, the more fulfilling I am, or fulfilled I am. So I want to suggest to you that the one way you can discover your destiny Okay, yeah, I want to know my destiny, okay? I don't want to live my life and feel like I've missed my purpose for being here. Well, sometimes when you don't know the unknown will of God, you just have to do the known will of God. And when you walk in the known will of God, which is found in the word of God, then the unknown will of God finds you, i.e. your purpose or your destiny. So let me suggest to you that one way you can discover your destiny is to serve others. I don't have a flashy slogan, as Jonathan said, for 2017. You can come into the green in 2017. I don't have one of those for you. But I do have an admonishment to you and to myself, and that is if you want to experience what God has for you, I dare you and I challenge you and I encourage you and myself to serve others. By serving and giving to others, we set ourselves up to receive from God. And so in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. Jesus came to serve. And then he went on to say, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus' destiny and his mission statement were wrapped up in the words of serving and giving. But so often I start my day looking who, for who will serve me and who will give to me. And unfortunately, I confess and I repent and I thank God that Atarius is going to have this uh, workshop for men so that we can learn about what it means to be a leader. And that being a leader in the home doesn't mean that my wife outserves me, that my wife outgives me. That if I'm to be a leader in the home, according to Ephesians 5, that reflects Jesus Christ, how he loves his bride called the church, he washed the feet of his bride. The Bible says he forever makes intercession right now for his bride. Man, when's the last time you just prayed over your wife? When's the last time you just served her? You want to be the great dude in the house? Well, Jesus says those who are great should be servants. So the kingdom of God is upside down according to what the world calls right side up. No, the world isn't right side up. The kingdom of God is right side up and the world is upside down. And Jesus says those of us who lead should serve. Servant leaders. And so the son of man came to serve and to give. What a way to go into 2017 as I'm looking for my destiny. How about I start by serving others and giving of myself? So let's meet two people from Genesis chapter 24 who served their way 
into their destiny. They served their way into their destiny. Genesis chapter 24. And the first person we're going to look at is a servant without a name. That's the first person we're going to look at. A servant who has no name. And usually when you know servants, when we serve in the spirit of Jesus Christ, we don't always serve to be seen or to get our name in lights. We stay underground. It's like when Jesus had healed that man who was at the pool in John chapter 5. He healed him and then he went away. Then he came back to the man and he revealed himself to the man. Jesus didn't stay there at the place where he healed the man and then try to get everybody to clap for him and applaud for him. There were many times he moved in such humility and quietness. And so this servant that we're going to look at right now, he, he, he doesn't have a name. So Genesis 24, it says, now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, pause. He's about 140 years old right here, okay? And he is beginning to think about the fact that he is going to die soon. In chapter 23, he has just buried his wife, Sarah. And he's counting his days. And, 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 and that's what the Bible talks about. To give us a heart to number our days because it's wise, because life is so brief. And he's like, there was a promise given to me many, many years ago that there would be a great nation that would come from me. God finally gave us a son named Isaac when we were 100 years old and 90 years old, respectively. And in order for this posterity to continue, Isaac must get married and have a child to continue to fulfill what Jehovah gave us in Genesis chapter 12 of a great nation. So before this old man is about to die, He's thinking about the future of the calling of God on the life of his family. And he knows Isaac is still single. And because marriages were arranged in those days, he said, now is the time. My wife has died. I'm thinking about what's going to happen next for my children. And we got to get this boy married. And so it says that the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And that word blesses the Hebrew word Barak. And those blessings did not come because Abraham deserved them. Those blessings did not come because he was so good. Because we know that Abraham was not always so good and he did not deserve. But these blessings, these Baraks came from God because God is so good. And he is the God who keeps the covenant with man. And so he blesses Abraham. In verse 2, so Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all he had, please put your hand under my thigh. Let me, let me stop right here. So, so he grabs the oldest servant in his house, the guy that's been with him the longest. And he's about to entrust something great to him. I mean, he's about to give him an assignment that this man has to carry out for the future posterity of Abraham's seed and his descendants. So he grabs the guy. We, we, we don't know his name, but we do know he is a servant. Twelve times in Genesis 24, he's called a servant. 
And then 22 times, he refers to Abraham as my master, my master. So this man was the steward of Abraham's household. He was a servant, some would even say a slave. And he was given authority over Abraham's house, just as Joseph was the steward over Potiphar's house, just as Joseph became the steward over all of Egypt. So being a steward, being a servant, that's not a weak thing. That's a mighty and a powerful thing when you are entrusted with great responsibility from your master. So this man didn't own the stuff, but he was entrusted to steward the stuff. And that's what a manager is. So we don't know who he is. Uh, uh, again, he's going to be called servant over and over again. Now, one commentator suggests this. And you Bible folks will love this. That it could have been Eliezer, who was found in Genesis chapter 15, who when Abraham started getting discouraged over the fact that he and Sarah, they just weren't being able to have children. It, it just wasn't working. And so Abraham says to God, God, can you make Eliezer of Damascus? He's the heir in my house. Can you make him the recipient of this promise that you've given to me? And, and, and Abraham said, he, he's over my house. I, I'm giving him everything. And God said to him, no, it will not be Eliezer, but it will be someone who will come from your own body. Now, we know he took a detour with Hagar. That wasn't what God was talking about. He was talking about him and Sarah. And God, again, was gracious where his sin abounded, God's grace superbounded, and allowed Sarah to have this child when she was 90 years old. But before Isaac came, Abraham thought it was Eliezer. Now watch this. If Eliezer stays with Abraham all of these years, all of these years, all of these years, and he is the chief servant, but he is not the heir. If this person in Genesis 24 is Eliezer, it's really impressive to me because now he's being told by Abraham, his master, to set up the future posterity for someone else, that is Isaac, and not for himself. Because at one time, he thought it was his. But then, according to God's promise, no, it's Isaac's. So now, as a servant, he says, it's not about me. It's about my master, and it's about my master's son. In other words, he's serving somebody who displaced him. I wish I had time to run down this street just for a second. He's serving somebody. That could be his stuff. You know, Abraham's about to croak, and people would look at what they're going to get in the inheritance. No, it's not the servant stuff. It's Isaac's stuff. And not only is it Isaac's stuff, Abraham says, go and find Isaac a wife for me. So he's got to go out and serve the person who displaced him, if this is Eliezer. And I just started thinking about, man, what if the day comes when I resign from Strong Tower, I become pastor emeritus, and I sit down on the front row, y'all roll me in from the side or whatever, and I'm up here. Would I be able to serve with gladness the person who took my place? What about people who unfortunately go through divorces and there are children involved and people get remarried? Can you serve 
your ex-wife's husband with grace? Can you serve your ex-wife or your ex-husband's wife with grace? I mean, that's the test of servanthood. When you serve, even though you might get mistreated, or you serve people who took your place. What about on your job? The person who got the promotion that you thought should have been yours. I, I didn't want to make it too personal. It's the first day of the year. I want to go slow. I want to bring you in. I don't want you to leave me the rest of the year. But the person you, that, that got that position and that promotion, and you know you're better than they are. You're brighter than they are. Your resume is better, but yet they got it. Can you serve them? Eliezer was a true servant if this was him. And this man was given an assignment. Y'all, look at this. He says, please put your hand under my thigh, verse 3, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And then the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, to your descendants I give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So he had an assignment. Go and get my son a wife. We must continue this promise that God has given us Go and get him a wife. And Isaac is 40 years old at this time. And he's single, unmarried, still a virgin. And so this servant has been entrusted with much because he has proven to be trustworthy over time. Remember, he's been with Abraham for a while. And because he's been with Abraham for a while, Abraham knows what kind of character he has. And because he knows that he's trustworthy, he can entrust such a great assignment to him. And when we talk about our destiny, Lord, entrust some great opportunities to me, open up some great doors, bring great wealth my way, okay. God won't entrust greatness to you until he can trust you in the daily stuff. He won't give more until we'll be faithful with a few. This guy qualified because he proved to be trustworthy over time so he could be entrusted with such a mission. And Abraham said, look, I, I need you to get a wife, not from the Canaanites, this ain't racial, this is more religious. I need you to go back to my homeland in the Ur of the Chaldees and get someone from my lineage who understood that God is one. I need you to go back there. So, so this ain't about uh, racism, this is about a religious distinction. But not only that, before you leave, put your hand under my thigh. Hello. I said hello. Now, now what is all of that about? I want to tell you that's uncomfortable. Imagine Abraham at 140 years old, no doubt sitting on a tree stump or something, and he's talking to his servant, giving him the marching orders. And he says, I need you to swear to me that you're going to fulfill this. Don't take her from the Canaanites. Do not bring him back to the land. She's got to come back here and, and, and put your hand under my thigh. 
Now, when you do something like that, I was going to demonstrate with one of the brothers today. Uh, John, should I come down there and demonstrate with you? Should I demonstrate? Charles, you need me to come down and demonstrate with you? <laughs> You're close to his genitals when you do that. This is an intimate kind of thing going on because this is about posterity. This is about the future. This is about destiny. So put your hand under my thigh, which is close to my genitals, and swear to me that you will fulfill this promise because the future is riding on this mission. And that's intimate, man, to get that close to a guy with your hand under his thigh and then swear to him that you're going to fulfill this mission. That's heavy, man. And this was part of the Hebrew culture, Near Eastern culture. Because later in the book of Genesis, before Jacob dies, he does the same thing with Joseph. He's like, man, put your hand under my thigh and swear to me you're not going to leave my bones up here in Egypt. Take them out. Swear to me. So he had to put the hand under his father's thigh. That's intimacy. That's part of that culture. That's saying, man, you got to come through up in here. And you have a choice. And the servant chose to accept the assignment. And so he goes on a journey. Look at verse 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels. Now, whose camels were they? His master's. He didn't own any of those camels. He stewarded those camels. And for us as Christians, we don't own anything. Let me say, as humans, we don't own anything. Denzel Washington has been tapped a lot lately for his great wisdom. People have been interviewing Denzel, and Denzel says something the preacher's been saying for years. But everybody, because Denzel said, oh, Denzel said it. <laughs> Denzel said, you've never seen a hearse, a, a, a U-Haul following a hearse. We've been saying that for years, Denzel. Ain't nobody clap when we said it. <laughs> In other words, Denzel is saying, you can't take this stuff with you. Because you don't own it. Naked you came in, naked you're going to leave. This steward understood. He didn't own this stuff. These were his master's camels. And that car you drove to church today is not your car. That's God's car. And sometimes just to remind us that it's his stuff, he'll take it from us every now and then. He'll let it have a hiccup every now and then so it'll increase our prayer life. And so he'll remind us, that ain't your stuff. That's my stuff that I'm letting you use. <laughs> Man, that seminar the brothers did a couple weeks ago with Gary and, and John and Eric, I can't get over, man, how these brothers kept talking about stewardship so well. If we remembered these principles, my God. So the servant took 10 of his master's camels. He departed for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Now watch this, y'all. This journey from Beersheba to Mesopotamia was approximately 450 miles and if they went at a conservative rate of 25 miles a day in a caravan of 10 camels, this would take them 18 days to get from Beersheba to Mesopotamia. And, and, and this ain't even talking about the heat factor out there. Again, we read this stuff and we go right over it. Like, hold on, wait a minute. That was a journey there. And he stayed on course. So it would be a total of 36 days round trip in the heat to make this situation happen. 
But for this servant, he had no greater joy than to fulfill the assignment that his master gave him. His destiny was to serve his master Abraham. That's how he found true fulfillment. So he takes the oath, he makes the journey, and then he gets out there and he has a prayer. So in verse 11, it says, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, oh Lord God of my master. So he's praying. He said, oh Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day. That's not a bad prayer to pray every day. And show kindness to my master Abraham Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Oh, that's a powerful prayer. That's a good prayer. Look, show yourself strong today. Matter of fact, Lord, would you do a miracle in the mundane? What's the mundane? Going to the watering well every day, that's mundane. But God, in this mundane spot, would you do something miraculous today? Would you show me who the bride for my servant's son is going to be? So he prayed. And he prayed, and the way he prayed, don't miss this, he prayed for the woman to be a servant. The way I know her is by how she serves. Not by how she looks. Oh my goodness. Oh, do y'all want to get it real already? Let, 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 let's do what we do at Strong Tower. He prayed that she would be a servant. And not only just any servant, but a servant who went the extra mile, who not only gave me, a stranger, a drink, but would turn around and give my 10 camels a drink. He asked God for a servant and not a beauty queen. Mm. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Single brothers, single brothers, single brothers. Stop being so shallow and making everything about the external. Now, it does say in verse 16, I ain't got there yet, that she was beautiful. But that's not what he was praying for. Foist! Praying for this woman to be a servant who happened to be beautiful. And beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So you look for a woman who has character, who has a servant's heart. Because all this uh, beauty, that hair, those nails, those lashes, that rouge, that lipstick, that stuff is going to fade. But we're talking about a character, a quality of the heart that doesn't fade, it gets better. So that's what he was praying for. And it takes one to know one. Here's a servant praying for a servant. So when this woman walks up, he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Isaac is about to be blessed. Abraham knew his servant would not run off with his goods. 
Abraham knew his servant would be faithful and not try to take Rebecca for himself. That brother could have said, wait a minute now. She looked good. And she's a servant. Maybe the Lord is saying she's supposed to be mine. <laughs> no, nah, brother, no. But he's a servant. So Abraham could trust him with everything. Yeah. And so here's a good prayer for us, a servant's prayer of destiny for 2017. Lord, please allow me to be a trustworthy servant with what I have so that you can entrust even greater things to me. He gave this man a great mission. But finally, y'all, now we got to talk about Rebecca. So we talked about this no-name servant. Now let's talk about Rebecca. Look at verse 15. Brother man is praying, right? And it happened. Who's waiting for something to happen? Now, some stuff ain't going to happen unless you pray. The testimonies we heard last week in church were testimonies about how God answered prayer. And a lot of times we don't see God moving because we aren't getting on our knees and praying. And so it happened. Before he had finished speaking or before he said amen, isn't it good when God answers your prayers before you finish praying? That behold, and he'll do that with peace. Before you get up from your prayer closet, you've been praying, Lord, give me peace. He'll give you that peace. I've had God answer my prayer while I was praying for certain things. My phone went off, and then I look at my phone, and it's the answer to the prayer that I was just praying. Don't play with God. Oh, my God. Oh, mm -mm -mm. So, so before he had finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all the camels. <laughs> She allowed her normal routine to be interrupted to serve someone she didn't know. She has no idea that she is in the realm of blessing possibilities. And God is the great blesser, just like the servant who's coming in the name of Abraham. And God's got so much for us, but he wants to see how you serve. I can't give to you what I want to give you because I don't see you serving. And this woman said, I know I'm out here to collect water for my house, but I see a man in need. I'm going to be hospitable in this culture, and I'm going to interrupt again the mundane, and I'm going to serve somebody I don't even know. She gave a drink to a stranger, not knowing she was an answer to his prayers. A lot of times we don't even know what's going on around us. God is doing stuff all around us. Which is why if we just walk in a humble obedience, doors will open up by themselves. She went the extra mile by offering to draw water, not only for him, but for the camels. How many camels? Ten. Y'all ready for this? Camels drink 20 gallons of water each. Each. 
So if there are 10 camels that can drink 20 gallons each, that's 200 gallons of water. Let's just say her jug was a five-gallon jug. So to fill a five-gallon jug up with 200 gallons of water, that's 40 trips. And if you see here, uh, she had to go down the hill and then back up the hill. So this is 40 trips down and back up, carrying five gallons of water 40 times to water 10 camels. And let's just say each trip took about five minutes each. So five minutes times 40 trips is two hours. So she took 120 minutes, two hours, to feed the nasty, smelly, funky camels of this servant. You want to be a servant? That's amazing. We read right over that. Two hours to feed or, or water 10 camels? What kind of person serves a stranger like this? A great person. A great person. It was serving and not beauty that set Rebecca apart from all the other women at the well that day. And notice this strong tower. She didn't complain about the fact that no one helped her. Because the servant, he sat back, watched for two hours. She went down, she came back up, she went down, she came back up. Went and she didn't say, huh, why he just watching? See, because a lot of people will serve, but they got a stank attitude when they serve. None of y'all in here, though. How come they not helping out? Don't worry about them. Do what you're called to do. And by the way, she shouldn't be complaining because she volunteered. Oh, strong talk. Ooh. She wasn't getting paid to do this. And it's real bad when you complain when you get paid. That's a whole nother thing. I got this money, I got to go up in here and work for this man or this woman again. You're complaining and you got a job. There's so many people that don't have a job that wish they were in your situation. But she volunteered and she wasn't complaining or wearing a badge on her saying, look, I'm a servant. She just did the work. Now, as a result of serving, Rebecca got blessed. So it was, it says in verse 22, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she, he gave her some gold. As a result of serving, Rebecca got blessed. She got blessed with some new jewelry. And what woman doesn't like to have new jewelry? And let's just say it was 24 karat gold because it says it was gold, right? Gold nose ring. I've been talking to my wife about trying to get a nose ring. I think it would look sexy on you, baby. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. But this nose ring at half a shekel, when we compare it to modern day prices of, of gold that is $950 an ounce, that nose ring today would be worth $190. That's a nice nose ring. 
Then the two bracelets today would be worth $3,800. So in two hours of work, because she had the right attitude, the right motivation, she got blessed with some jewelry that almost added up to $4,000. Ain't nobody in here wearing jewelry today that's worth $4,000. <laughs> I remember somebody thought I had a Rolex on my watch, on my arm one day. I said, Rolex? That's a Rolex. That ain't no Rolex. I got this from Target. You don't get a Rolex from Target or from TJ Maxx. She got up to almost $4,000 of jewelry. She got new jewelry, then she got a new husband. She got a new husband. When she went to the well that day, she didn't know she was going to get blessed like that. All she did was serve. And God says, by the measure that you give, I'm going to give it back to you in abundance. Because you can't beat God given. When you give the right way, when you leave it in his hands, when you just do what you're supposed to do, she got a new, new jewelry, new husband, and a new destiny. Pastor, what you mean? She was going to have to get up the next day, the next day, and then head on back to Beersheba to the land of Canaan. The next day to meet her husband. And she had to take that 18-day uh, journey to meet her husband. And the Bible says a little bit later, when they're coming in on one of those 10 camels, Isaac is out there walking in the fields, waiting. Where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Then she looks and she says to the servant, who that is? And he said, that's my master's son. That's Isaac. Oh, she covered up her face. She covered up her face. And she dismounted and went towards Isaac. And Isaac came towards her. Isaac took her into his mother's tent, who had just died. And she comforted him by becoming his wife. And they lived happily ever after until the next chapter. Oh, that's good stuff. So as a result of serving, Rebecca became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ by serving in a well. And here's another servant's prayer for 2017. Lord, please give me a heart to serve others with motives that are not self-seeking. And please give me hands that will reach out and give more than is required or expected of me. So Genesis 24 is more than the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. Genesis 24 is more than a romantic story of Isaac marrying Rebecca. Genesis 24 is about how two people served, one man and one woman and how they found their destinies as a result. So in order for you to serve your way into your destiny for 2017, ask God, Lord, who am I to serve? Lord, how am I to serve? And finally, where am I to serve? So ask him, and he will tell you who you are to serve, how you are to serve, and where you are to serve. Somebody may go on the mission field, praise God. Overseas, somebody may go on the mission field locally, praise God. But you won't find life. You won't find your destiny. I won't find it if I'm being selfish and not being willing to serve. So let's set the trajectory of this year by saying, Lord, you can count on me to serve you 
however you say serve. Strong Tower, would you stand to your feet as Jackie Patillo comes to close us in prayer.